Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. share some things. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I ministered here on the webinar, the subject I ministered on was worship. Uh, do you remember that? Or shall we just minister that one again? I spoke about how worship is so much more, as, as Pastor Andreas has just said, than a song sung or anything like that. We looked at various aspects, uh, for example, that Adam and Eve were never commanded to worship in the Garden of Eden. Worship was a natural expression of who they were in the presence of God. The overflow of their hearts from intimacy with God was their life lived out as an expression of worship. And I may touch on some of those things a little bit later, but I want to start somewhere where I don't... Uh, somewhere I'm going to do something a little different with you this evening, or this morning, wherever it is that you may be. I've often been touched by a worship song around the years and... And sometimes the, the words of a song really, really touch or move me along. And I've often even been inspired to use them, you know, as, as material. You add it to a sermon because it's, it's just that powerful and beautiful. I've never really done it, but um, I'm breaking that rule today. Because there's a song that's come along that I've heard recently that really, really moved my heart. And I'll explain to you why a little bit later. So you go and listen to it in your own time. It's a song by Hillsong United. Like I said, it's called Highlands Song of Ascent. And it starts off by saying this. Oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? And how far would I scale valleys if you graced the other side? And how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise against the rush of grace descending from the source of its supply? And as I heard those first lines of that song, God arrested my attention. How high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? And just use your imagination with me for a minute. Imagine a mountain and God's at the top and He's saying, Come on up. I'm hiding up here waiting for you. And God said to me, Michael, if I was at the top of a mountain, would you do whatever it takes to get to me? Would you push through? Would you sacrifice? Would you let go of everything to chase after me? Would you grit your teeth and climb until you, your, you, your bones ache and still keep climbing because you love me that much? Are you that passionate about being in my presence? And what I'm sharing with you today is simply the question. Because it's not about me answering, yes, Lord, I would definitely or not. Lord, it made me evaluate. The question itself made me evaluate my heart towards God. God, how fervently do I worship you? How passionately do I follow you? Do I follow you just enough? Do I, if, if, if it really took that much sacrifice, would I really run after it and do it? Or am I pretty satisfied with what I've got? And all those kinds of questions sort of came through my heart. And then he carries on to say, because in the highlands and the heartache, you are neither more or less inclined. In other words, God, no matter what I'm going through, your love for me 
your faithfulness to me remains constant. When things are good for me, you're the same. When things are bad for me, you're the same. Our hearts are a lot more fickle than that. Our devotion sometimes swings up and down. The pend- as the pendulum sways, as, as life happens, sometimes when we're up, we feel great. When we're down, not so much. And then it says, and how far, uh, it says, and I would search and stuff at nothing. But you're just not that hard to find. And the reality just of that first little portion of the song is asking this question, God, if you were way up there and I had to do a whole bunch of things to get to you, would I do it? How passionate am I about you? But the reality of this and the beauty of this song is that it kind of asks the question and it leads you into the place of saying, fact is, God, you're not that hard to find. You are as close as my next breath. You are so nearby. And the response of the chorus says, So I will praise you on the mountain and I will praise you when the mountain's in my way. You are the summit where my feet are, so I'll praise you in the valleys all the same. You're no less God within the shadows, and you're no less faithful when the night leads me astray, because you are the heaven where my heart is, in the highlands and the heartache all the same. This script, this song, as I've said, it, it just stirred my heart in such a wonderful way because it re-appointed me and, and asked me questions about my, my, my love walk with the Lord, but brought me back and, and left me in this place of, of wonderful joy at knowing that my God's presence is so tangible, is so easy to find. God is not difficult to find. His presence is not difficult to come into. He doesn't ask us to do a whole bunch of things. But He's made the way for us. And as I talk about worship today, I want us to understand that the Bible paints for us a beautiful picture of a two-way pursuit. A few scriptures, Matthew 11, 28-30 says, Jesus gives this invitation. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and so there's this invitation that God has that says come come to me and likewise at the same time another verse that just really blew me away over the uh, a few weeks ago is, is Psalm chapter 18 verses 16 to 19 and that speaks not about what I have to do for God or what my devotion or my works have earned, even my efforts at worship have earned, but it speaks just again of His pursuit of me and His goodness towards me. Psalm 18, 16-19 says, He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because He delighted in me. You know, the other day in my quiet time, I don't know why, I read those words and somehow they just sunk into the depths of my heart and I sat and cried in the presence of the Lord. It was such a beautiful moment of worship. Just thinking about that regardless of what I, of where I'm at, God's delight for me 
remains unchanging. And His delight for you remains unchanging. Because God's delight for you and me is not based upon our goodness and how well we perform. His delight for you and me is based on who He is. He is your Creator. He is your, the Father of life. And He's invested so much into you and I. And it's amazing how the more we discover how much God delights in us, the more our delight for Him grows. And this really is part of this beautiful transaction of worship, for lack of a better word. This two-way pursuit. The more we are open our hearts to receive the love of God, the more this response rises up from within us of gratitude and of awe and of worship for who He is. This past week we've just celebrated Ascension Day. The day that Jesus ascended into heaven, into glory. And it's worth noting the obvious fact that the fact that He ascended means that He first had to descend. He first reached out and came down to us. He pursued us. He made a way for us. And then when He had finished His work, He ascended to the throne. The Apostle Paul writes about this in the book of Philippians. And he talks about the hard attitude of Christ. He talks about, you know, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Who, Philippians 2 from verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but Jesus chose to make himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Therefore, because of this, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Through Jesus' ascension, he came to that position of supreme authority. The name that is above every other name. John talks about it in the book of Revelation 5 verse 11. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures, the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 plus thousands of thousands. Saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And we have this picture of a glorified Christ who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, given all authority, and the wonder of our King, and the glory of our Lord, is that His position up there, His glorification is not a mean by, means by which He elevates Himself above us, to Lord over us. It's not that Jesus is now separating Himself from us. But the reality is that Jesus came down to where we are so that He could bring us up to where He is. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 to 6 in the Passion Translation says this, But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he may united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with Him 
into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. You see, folks, you may say, what has this got to do with worship? Well, if we understand worship as the expression of a glorious relationship, we understand that this has everything to do with worship. Because in Christ's ascension, in His elevation, like I say, He didn't elevate Himself to separate Himself from us. But His ascension seals a divine exchange that He made on our behalf. You see, when Jesus went up into heaven and took His place in glory, He did two things. Number one, He established a place for us where He is. And number two, he established a place for Himself where we are. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? We cannot read Scripture or the narrative of the Word of God, the story of God from creation right through to Christ and beyond without coming to the conclusion that God is after vital, intimate relationship with us. The overflow of a vital and intimate relationship with God is worship. Now that worship can be expressed in many different ways. Sometimes it flows out of us in a song of gratitude and of honor. Sometimes it's an offering that we give to worship God, to demonstrate love and accept and, 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 and devotion. Sometimes worship is a prayer that we pray. It's an expression of the heart. Sometimes it's a sacrifice we give. Whatever the pattern, whatever manner in which it is expressed, worship comes through an intimate relationship with God. It is a response to who He is that leads us to a life of humility and obedience to His Spirit. A little while ago, a couple of weeks ago in our local church, I was talking on the subject of, uh, of giving and one of the things we were talking about was first fruits. And I was sharing about my relationship with, with Pastor Andreas over the years. I just want to use this as a small example and come back to worship. And I said to the people, you know, we talk about first fruits and honor and these kinds of things. And, and I think of the impact that Pastor Andreas and Cristela have had in my life over the past 20 years almost. Not quite. It's called it 17 years. And I think to myself of how God has used them. And, you know... If I understand the principle of first fruits and the principle of honor, of just giving some a token, really, monetarily, from time to time as the Lord leads to honor, I thought to, I said to the people, what kind of price can you put on a relationship that has led to such transformation in my life? What 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 price can you put to the transformation I've seen in my life through this relationship? What price can you put to that level of influence, to that level of, of intimacy and grace? All that I have received, all that's been done for me. How do you repay that in a lifetime? First fruit seems even insignificant. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because as I was preparing for today and, and these things that have been going on in my heart that I'm sharing with you, the same question begs in my heart for what Jesus has done for me and what He's done for you, for, for what God has done for me and what God has done for you. What price can we put on that kind of love? 
on that kind of generosity, on that kind of long-suffering and faithfulness, that no matter what we go through, no matter our ups and downs, no matter our faithfulness or unfaithfulness, His love remains. What price can one put on that kind of love that's gone the extra mile? You see, folks, there, there are measures of relationships. Not all relationships are the same. We know that. There's acquaintances, there's colleagues, there's friends, there's close friends, there's lovers, there's spouses, there's parents and siblings and all different kinds of relationships. All different relationships work differently and there are different levels of intimacy within all different kinds of relationships. We don't, I mean, we understand that. I don't need to elaborate on that point very much. But the point that I do want to make is that God leaves us in no doubt as to how much He values us. Just read the Bible. Just look at what Jesus did for you. Just look at what He done, what He's done, and, and has risen victorious over all of the, the death and the, the muck and the gunk that we've allowed in our lives, that sin has brought into our lives. He's just washed it all away, dealt with it all, so that we can come into relationship with Him. Listen to this. This is how the second verse of that song goes. Oh, how far beneath your glory does your kindness extend the path? From where your feet rest on the sunrise to where you sweep the sinners past. It's alluding to the fact that, I think it's Psalm 139 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. How fast would you come running if just to shadow me through the night and trace my steps through all my failure. And walk me out the other side. This is our God. Who runs with us. Who pursues us. Who stays with us through thick and thin. And walks through it all with us. So what is worship then? Worship is a response to this. But I want to say this to you today. That worship is not a meager response. Worship is not... Oh, thank you, Lord, and an acknowledgement of what He has done. Worship, for it to be worship, needs to be a wholehearted response. Matthew 10, 37-39, Jesus says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life, in other words, who holds on to his life, his will, his, his desires and, want, and ways of doing things, he loses his life. He'll lose it. But he who loses his, my, his life for my sake will find it. And Jesus is our example. He's the one who laid down his life so that he could find your life. Think about that. Jesus laid down his life in order to gain your life. And what he asks of you and I in response is that we will lay down our lives, that we may gain his life. He has made a way to bring us up to where he is, and in the same, same breath, he's made a way for him to come down and be here with us where we are. This is the prayer that Paul prays, that Pastor Andreas was alluding to a moment ago in Ephesians chapter 3. But I want to read it to you from the Passion Translation. Paul writes, he says, I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and earth. And I pray that he would unveil 
within you. Listen to those words. That He will unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you and the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. And I want to say to you today, that is worship. Where we begin to live not out of, a, an, not out of self-effort to please God, but out of an overflow of a revelation of who He is deep within us. And as our relationship with Him, as we're overwhelmed again and again by His delight in us and His love for us and His faithfulness toward us, our heart responds in kind with devotion, with submission, with worship. He goes on to say, Then you'll be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish this. I want to say that again. Sometimes in our natural thinking and our understanding, some of the things I'm talking to you about now seem so distant, they seem so far off. I want to say to you, never doubt God's ability to break through and to, and to express and to give you a revelation of His love. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. His power working in me energizes me to respond in worship. Now that worship means that I am inspired and empowered by the very love of God. And folks, that is the essence of worship. It may come out like I've said in a song. It may come out just in acts of obedience, listening to the voice of the Spirit and responding as He leads. But unless, unless we start catching this heart of God and are overwhelmed by His presence and His goodness, that is, that is the seeds from, that, that is the foundation from which worship is launched. How do we get there? Well, my relationship with my wife. My wife blesses me all the time. She challenges me now and then, but she blesses me all the time. I had to develop that relationship with her. And the more I know my wife, the more she blesses me. The closer we get, the more she blesses me and impacts me with her love, with her selflessness. And I want to say it's the same with God. The more we get to know Him, the more naturally worship comes up from within us. This is what Paul was saying here. I want you to have a revelation of Jesus. That is the fount from which your worship will rise. And it's only when we're in that place that our worship becomes something that is not subject 
to our physical circumstances. It's not subject to how well we're doing or how badly we're doing. But in the midst of anything and everything, we are centered, rooted, secure in that love. And it finds its expression no matter the season. I'll close by reading the, verse, the, the words of the chorus of that song one more time. So I will praise you on the mountain. And I will praise you when the mountain is in my way. Because you are the summit where my feet are. So I'll praise you in the valleys all the same. You're no less God within the shadows. And you're no less faithful when the night leads me astray. Because you are the heaven where my heart is. In the highlands and the heartache all the same. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.